Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life that they deserve. Today's guest is Marcus Garrett, who really needs no introduction, but I'm sure he'll give one, a really good one himself. Uh, he's out of Houston, Texas, recently married, and he has a great story to share. So thanks for being with us today, Marcus. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Why don't you give us a little bit about your background, You know what got you into what you're currently doing, and how you're helping the community right now? Yeah, I'll start by alienating the audience and talking in third person. So Marcus Garrett <laughs> is the author <laughs> of Debt for Your Die Trying. I buried myself $30,000 in debt and dug my way out on my way to an 800 FICO. Uh, that became a bestseller on uh, Amazon where I self-published. Uh, so I said this will be an open discussion. Happy to talk about anything that you think might interest your audience. And today I'm the host of The Marcus Garrett Show, which is just a coincidence. It's not as arrogant as it, it would apply. It already talking two times in third person. And on there, I uh, help people learn more, earn more, and make more. And uh, it's Life After Debt with the Marcus Garrett. I love that, man. So you've got um, basically a syndication of a podcast. You're you're a best-selling author. You've been on multiple news networks. You've just really talked about your story and how it can be inspirational for others, Rel- you know, relative of a high income or a low income, how they can get themselves out of debt, and especially for our audience, entrepreneurs and medical professionals. They usually start with quite a bit of debt and or they inject a bunch of cash in their business and they're trying to catch up. So how did you get into that type of role? What inspired you to get rid of debt and how have you helped others with it? So we were kind of talking what I call the black box when we kind of prep for these shows. I'm glad you were telling me about your audience because my my advice, which is all it really be, would be a little bit different for um, what is it? Henry high income, not rich yet, although maybe in your audience it might be rich already. Uh, and I, I say that because I think a lot of especially debt advice that you see is blanket. And um, I think the reason my book stood out from that, Debt Free or Die Trying, it's now an acronym. So the debt is an acronym. I republished in 2020. I originally published in 2016. And it was define the problem, establish a plan, and that being key to step number two. And I go over four steps. So it's just not your black and white avalanche snowball advice. It's a real methodical. I have an audit um, I'm an auditor by background. So it's a real methodical look at what plan you should use. Then B is build a budget and T is trust the process because then you've got a methodical system in place, which is really what I focus on building a system around your goals. I find that's so accurate as well for what I do. I mean, in, in financial planning, you have to build a roadmap. You have to figure out the stops along the way that makes sense for each client. And then you have to actually put it into action and you need an accountability buddy to help walk you through that and, and check in with you and make sure things are working well. So do you do any type of coaching for anybody who would like to get through this process with you? I do everything uh, that I offer is at my website, demarcusgarrett.com. Um, and I'm universally branded under that now. And I say that because uh, unfortunately uh, I was, um, you know, uh, an what is it? A protagonist. <laughs> I was advocately against whatever that is uh, getting on TikTok. And I was like, I, I made this promise at the beginning. I think it was 22 to my fans that still has kept true that I won't be dancing for dollars. 
But eventually I did quietly migrate over to TikTok. I'm across all the platforms on uh, Instagram as well. But to your point, I think it's especially with something as personal and, you know, putting the personal personal finance as debt management. I, I, I'll use this example for perspective. So I'm in Houston, Texas. When I was at work and even right now as I was looking for the show, it's actually right here at the bottom left of my screen is what I'm looking at. It says temperatures will plummet. It's 83 degrees out here. It's February when we're recording. I'm not sure when this will be released. So in my mind, having spent seven years in Denver, plummet easily 2030. I'm thinking I need a jacket and plummet is 50 degrees. It'll be 50 degrees when temperatures plummet <laughs> in the next three days. And so I just kind of use that as a, a stepping stone that of like what's in a massive amount of debt and the plan that you need to apply for your debt is really a personal journey. And I think we're kind of captured in these these simple blanket statements, these black and white statements. So that's kind of what my coaching plan walks through now. And what I give is really one that I adopted from Key Person of Influence, a book that I love and recommend if you're looking to go into the entrepreneur entrepreneur space and was recommended to me when I was actually at a conference and a woman was like, you know, you're, you're three items away from Key Person of Influence. I might butcher this, but there's five of them. It's pitch, product, publish, partnerships, I'm missing one because I'm counting behind my hands, which is why we should come to the coaching session and walk through it. Uh, but the the point being is that it, it develops a tailored plan for your successes, your goals, whether that's debt management or entrepreneurship. And I had been applying that five step system without realizing it um, based on my audit background for probably a decade up to that point. So for our high earners, typically that are listening to this show, you know, they're, they have so many considerations they need to make and they need to figure out how to prioritize each one. How can these listeners and anybody who wants to implement your program take advantage of opportunities uh, to do each one of them? And let me just give you an example. So, you know, they obviously want to save a nest egg. They have particular personal goals they like to accomplish, whether that's buying their first home or starting their first business, paying down extensive amounts of debt, and then also making sure that they've got investments that they're that they're growing their wealth with and that they are either managing themselves or with an advisor. How how can how can they do all of these things at once and how would you help them prioritize that? I think unique to your audience and I, I, it's the egocentric, not in a negative way, view of the world. You think that your reality is everyone's reality. Some of my most popular content, even up to today, is always the average and the median, um, average salary and median salary. So uh, if your audience, for those that are on the other side of residency, for those in residency, they're like, I'm definitely below the median and probably below the average. But it's it's a different reality. And I think we have this, um, again, going back to the blanket that we apply to America. And the reason I, I start there is I think it's I'll, I'll be more generous because uh, I don't have the, the numbers right in front of me. So but only about 20 percent of households make over six figures. So another way of looking at that, if you're over six figures, you're better than 80 percent of America as far as your salary goes. Yeah, you know, we're all the same and all is equal under the sun. But you are better than 80 percent when it comes to salary. And I say that because I think when you look at a lot of this debt and financial advice, they have to cater and tailor to the 80%. And that's thus the advice that they offer. Um, so going with that, I would look at, you know, what are my goals? And I usually, just because it's it's well, it's easy for me, I'm going through this exercise now that I'm a household. It, I, I like to look at five years. I'm not intimidated by looking at 20 years. Uh, prior to, there's been some adjusted, uh, adjustments, me and my wife, I had the next 45 years plan and down to the penny <laughs> where everything was going to go. I think I had six accounts now. I think we're up to eight or nine now. And that's a good example is I like to know what my accounts are tailored to. So I got four just for my business alone. 
Uh, just to keep it simple, I'll just make recommendations. Then if people want to get offline with me, that's a profit first. Um, and the, rec- the accounts that they have set up that I adopted anyway are income, profit, operating expense, and income, tax. profit, operating expense, tax. Thank you. 15% to taxes that I set aside. Uh, once again, that's just a system that I read that worked for me. What I struggled with before that, uh, especially as what I can think people relate to is I, I have a nine, to, at least probably till about five years ago, I had a nine to five mentality and I was trying to apply that to my business and it wasn't working. I couldn't just understand and wrap my head around funds were going until, you know, I looked at my income statement or probably more accurately got to working with my, uh, both my lawyer and my uh, tax advisor. He's one in the same. And he was like, here's how much you made. I'm like, really? You know, I, I, I struggled to see that throughout the year. And so I was like, I want to find a system where I can see what my money's doing every day of the year. For me, that was profit first. That would be like a conversation you and I would have. And the reason I can have that conversation is I've read and reviewed 20, over 20 personal finance books to better understand my own personal finance goals. But also the reason I actually started that journey was because I didn't want to sound like an idiot when I was offering other people personal finance advice. Unfortunately, I made that promise on the podcast, so I had to finish 15 more books. But what you find after the first five is it's roughly the same. (laughs) So I had to read 15 more books to solidify that understanding. So my father explained it. That was like getting a master's degree in personal finance. And so I can, here's the book that I read. Here's the ones that I like. And now my favorite actually jumped in 2021 is The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And this is the reason that I, I name drop because- while I do consider myself an expert, you know, this is definitely a craft that I've practiced for over 10,000 hours and honestly, by my age, probably 20,000 hours. So whatever you consider an expert to be, I used to shy away from that title, but I'm not the only expert. And more importantly, I'm not the only expert advice you could follow, but I can guide you to a path and a system that you can adopt and will work for you. No questions asked. You follow the system, it will work. So you've read enough books to know what actually works, what doesn't work, which which advice is blanket, which is actually... Um aggregated towards a specific niche of folks, right? So the, the high net or you know the high net earners are the ones that they usually go from a really low salary when they're right before they hit residency, they go to residency, they make a lot of money and they go out and they they spend it a lot. They don't learn much about entrepreneurship or business or finance while they're going through school because they're going through such a specialized curriculum. So for those that are looking for advice, what would you say is is the best either uh, literature or book that they could pick up? You mentioned the simple path to wealth. You mentioned key person of influence, but what would you say is the best book that really resonated the most with you uh, for those particular niche of people? It's still going to be simple path to wealth. I think it's the most adaptable. Um, there's another that is, uh, I will teach you to be rich uh, by Remit Sethi, which I think is a better age-based book. So I'm 40, senior millennial to <laughs> give people this perspective of what where that age would fall. Um, if you are younger and I don't know uh, how many women are in your audience, I would say Erin Lowry, the broke millennial, she has three books and it stair steps your way through, I would say basic saving advice. And that's not to diminish that that is important and necessary up to the complicated world of, uh, potentially complicated world of investing. You of course can simplify investing. Um, those are the ones that, that come to my, the top of my head. And then as far as a wealthy audience, although it's older and they rewrote it, I believe um, he has passed away since. And I think his daughter rewrote the book. It'd be uh, The Millionaire Next Door. So 
I received the millionaire next door at age 17. I think it's Thomas Stanley or something to that effect. At age 17, father gave it to me like, you know, read this. This is this is how you manage money. Read it, didn't understand it, didn't make any sense. But I'm really grateful even to this day that he gave me that foundation. And I really uh, I extend that to my mother and my father because I now see what that looks like lacking in uh, so if it was a relay race, I kind of see what it looks like when that's lacking on the back end of the relay, which I would say financially I'm at. We talked about in the black box, like I said, before we started, depending on your math, I'm either a third or halfway through my career. I'm trying to pivot into something more personally enjoyable and in my purpose anyway, uh, I make good money. Um, I now have a greater appreciation for what my career has done for me personally and professionally, but it, it doesn't tap into my purpose like my entrepreneur side. Um, and a very simple example, a podcast being one, but I can wake up in the morning, have an idea, and it can be executed and published and getting views and comments and reviews by that night. I think that's an impossibility through work. I got to go through reviews and I got to send it through a chain of command. I got four people that got to tell me, oh, why are you using black font when I use red font? Oh, Times New Roman, aren't we using? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, you know, um, it taps into a different hurt piece that aligns with my purpose. And that's grown in importance to me post COVID and post whatever reality we are now living in. My purpose has grown in significance almost to the point of outweighing money. And I think that'll tap into some of your that emotional aspect that that tangible, intangible that your audience is feeling like I'm making great money here. Why am I not happy? And maybe that's why. I think everybody who gets into entrepreneurship or gets into the, the medical field, it is because they have some type of higher purpose for helping others and bringing something to a marketplace that didn't have it before, you know, finding a, a niche that they can bring to others that will really seriously help them out. Um, you know, you mentioned that you had some principles around investing. And since this is a money show, I'd love for you to talk about what are the principles, let's stick with four to five uh, of investing that you follow to a T and I'll kind of go over mine and we'll see how how well they match up. Actually, I can keep it down to one or two um, because my, my plan has gotten increasingly simplified over the years. And it was more informed by um, the simple path to wealth. And I use index funds as to the simple answer to the question. So coming up, in my case, through the public sector, the gift and the curse of that, talking to my wife about this, who's in the private sector recently, is, as I said, I knew at age 27. I remember the day, got to tell the story a lot, and I remember what happened. I remember the day that I pulled out the Excel spreadsheet and estimated what I was going to make in the next 27 years if I stayed in this career field, 3% cost of living adjustments, COLA, as we called them back in my day. <laughs> and I was, I was like, and, I, and the scariest part is when I got to the bottom of that Excel spreadsheet, it wasn't as big as I thought it would be. I was like, oh, there must have been an error, ran it two or three more times, you know, did the risk tolerance, and, you know, did some deviations. It was right. And I was like, you know, to have that aha moment at 27, maybe informed because of a decade earlier by the millionaire next door, whatever the reason was, I came to that conclusion that day is like, how much money am I going to make and do the analysis behind it? Uh, I was like, I want a different reality than this. And I tell people, so I got out of debt from 27 to 30. I started living what became the book Debt for Your Die Trying. Uh, and that's why I tell people it was Debt for Your Die Trying. This was pre-pandemic. Might have revised the title if it came out this year. Uh, but it was, you know, not dead or die until inconvenient, not dead or die until I want a mimosa. It's like debt for your die trying. Like at that time, it was a single-minded goal. And then I read another book. Um, 
I forget what one that was, but sometime in that period, I, I learned about index funds. And around that time, I went in, uh, I'll plug them because they actually turned out to be a good company for me, was uh, TIA Cref. I know that this is an investment advice and I'm not an expert. I'm sure you would disclaim accordingly. But that was literally the company I went to. They came to my job and they said, hey, we'll consolidate all your pensions. By that time, I jumped around about four to five jobs. I had increased my salary, I think a little under 400 percent, because that's another talking point I have. And um, I had so I had just had money across the land. And uh, I remember I was thinking, I'm going to go here. It's free financial services. The line's going to be around the door. I'm going to have to fight like the walking dead to get up to the front. I had to wake the guys up when I got there. (laughs) (laughs) I know I was like one of two people who filled out some forms and they rolled it over for me. And that was the first time I invested in an index fund. I saw the power of compounded interest. And I, uh, I say it two ways, you know, for someone with debt, it's the first time you see a bill at zero which seems like a very simple concept to someone who's not living paycheck to paycheck. But when you haven't seen a bill at zero in four years of his college, eight years, maybe 12 years, and maybe some of your listeners cases, that that's an amazing feeling that is difficult to capture. In fact, to someone who doesn't understand that reality. On the other side of that, I ignored that index fund until I moved back to the state. I was in Colorado for seven years and it, it grew on its own, which I learned after the fact is the best advice you can have is not to touch your money. I just I said it and forget it, which is why I like index fund. I'm not trying to be the wolf of Wall Street. I like that. I mean, I use a lot of index funds as well for for clients. And the reason I I use it is because our principles of investing are number one, understanding where returns come from. You know, there's there's stocks, which is, again, it's buying a piece of equity inside of a company. And then there's bonds where you're giving a company cash and they're giving you a rate of return until they return the money back to you. So the second is diversification. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to find a lot of wealth in just putting your money all into one basket. So I know a lot of folks who invest in real estate and stocks and bonds and in, you know, hard tangible assets, whatever it is they want. And also they, they like to have passive income from, you know, different businesses and things like that. Um, the, the hardest one that I find though for people is to behave. There's such emotionality when it comes to people's money and they see the market tanking and their first, their first thought is like, man, I, I messed up or I invested in the wrong thing. But when I'm educating clients around how stocks work, there's an inherent risk with that called market risk. So if you, I'm, I'm out here in the Charleston area, I'm in, I'm in the harbors right, you know, three minutes from me. And I use that example of like, okay, if you're out there and you're looking uh, across the battery and you're seeing all these ships out on the water and the tide is coming in and out, what's happening to those boats? Those boats are going up and down with the tide. So when there's market risk, the stocks are going up and down because they're usually following the market. Right. That's what happens. And that's what index funds follow as well. They're following an index, whether it's Russell 2000 or S&P 500. Um, and then bonds are, are like a seesaw. So if you have an ice cream shop and during the during the uh, the summer months, you know, the ice cream is a really big seller. But then you get to those colder months. It's hard to sell a bunch of ice cream. Your, your sales are dropping. So what would you implement, Marcus, if you were an ice cream shop owner and you wanted to cre- increase sales during the wintertime? What would something you'd add to the product line? Something warm, soup, I guess. Soup, soup coffee, um, you know, coffee, coffee right. whatever it is. So there's inherent risk with bonds, and that's interest rate risk. So as interest rates are going up, bond values are going down. And so you you usually have uncorrelated assets in your portfolio to try to hedge against some of the risk involved with each asset class. Right. So that's some of the that's some of the teachings that I that I give as well. So really, yours is much more simplified than mine. I'm sure people can follow that, but index funds are very helpful. I'll be honest, I'm an, I'm an advisor and, and most of the time 
you know, individual stocks and things like that do not outperform the market. So finding yourself either a money manager who can give you an alpha on your portfolio through, you know, tax loss harvesting or whatever it is, or finding something that you can put your money into and set it and forget it is usually your best bet. Yeah. Hashtag like, and I'm going to agree. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, let's get a little bit more into all the different entrepreneur fields that you're in, right? So not only are you um, taking all of your education to market, whether through TikTok or social media or even the news and blogging, what are some of the other things that you're doing besides coaching that you're going out and, and trying to build in your community? Pre-pandemic, which I'm hoping to uh, revisit this line item, line item is actually how I arrived here today was speaking. Um, so going into the pandemic, uh, was that February 2020? You know, all was right with the world. I think me and my wife were, yeah, we were planning to go to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> which because I have a pandemic story of thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to, you know, learn how to audit in uh, Bali because we're not getting back into the States. That being said, uh, and I just remember seeing everything get canceled and fall off the calendar to the point of I, I still haven't fully recovered. And I use that example. One is relatable because we all went that experience together. Uh, but I, to your point, I was not diversified. I was like, oh, I speak. People say I got a good voice. I've been hearing this. You got this radio voice for all my life, you know, since age 16 anyway. So I was like, oh, OK, I'm done. Like, I don't have to do anything else again, but just speak to people for the rest of my life. So to see that dry up was a very shocking experience. And I kind of went through a not unique, but a duality there that I share a lot of going through that experience for my case from 35 to 40 uh, to other uh, regardless how people feel about it, but two other, uh, using your, your watershed moments, using the boats metaphor again, two other watershed moments for me were actually the passing of Kobe Bryant. Cause we were about to, we were about to record a podcast when that news came out, we were setting up to record on that Sunday. And we, you heard about his daughter first, actually, I know it was inverse. We heard about Kobe and we're like, oh man, and that's a tragedy. And then we're like, okay, let's collect ourselves and get on. And uh, then we heard about his daughter. It's like, we're not recording today. Like, this is like, I can't do this. Uh, the second for me was Chadwick Boseman because that was so, uh, I guess both were unprepared, but he was literally making Marvel movies and then he was gone. Yeah. But what stood out is 40 and I know 42 and 40, I think respectively. And I'm 39 at that time, 38, 37 COVID. And so again, I tie back to the purpose and it really is like, okay, I don't want this to happen again. You know, kind of, so you're kind of seeing these pivots. So when I was in debt, I was like, I don't want this to happen again. Now I've gotten up the mountain. You think you got to figure it out. But as they say with the, the parable, once you get on top of the mountain, you realize there are more mountains to climb. So it's like, oh, I don't want this to happen again. So, so re, uh, diversifying my revenues for this year. So I don't have a memorized. I'm, I'm going through a, um, a uh, I'm working with a business coach and I said how I got here today with a virtual assistant. But as you see, I'm actualizing. I don't stop as much anymore. It's like this needs to be fixed. I want to go on a hundred podcasts this year. I want speaking to come back, but it's, I don't want it to be my only line item. Uh, and the, the simplest advice I got from uh, actually a coach years before I, I got it. I, uh, my father does this a lot, too. He offers advice that I'm not mature enough to process. He's like, make it as simple as possible for people to give you money. And that wasn't my father. That was a coach. And I was like, what the, what the hell is he talking about? But three years later, I was like, I don't have a funnel. I don't have a simple way for people to give me money. People were like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, um, do, do you take cash out? You know, they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and first of all, shouldn't you know how to get my money? Uh, so I, I've, I've simplified that process. But all those lessons learned, making my better, my business better is a uh, I'm going into a mastermind this week, 10 week mastermind. Hey. Um, and the quote that I, my wife says, I like dark quotes, but I'm an author. 
Uh, the quote that I, I I have is, you know, if you're not improving, you're you're inevitably getting worse, which I think will actually work with your 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 audience because I think from a medical standpoint that makes yeah. sense. Yep. Okay. Perfect. I, I always say if you're not growing, you're dying. It's a little bit more more morbid than yours, but you know, hey. it works. It's all relevant. <laughs> right. Um, well, you've mentioned money a lot on this podcast. How you've um, you know taken a lot of debt and gotten rid of it and grown your wealth. So. Kudos to all the work you've done so far, Marcus. I mean, I know you're an inspiration for others and you're taking that story and you're sharing it with people, hopefully inspiring them to do the same. But what is your um, what is your relationship with money? I want to boil that down to as simply as I can. What is your relationship with money? The way I'm going to answer today, because it will continue to evolve, is twofold. So I'm reading a book, because of course I am. I'm reading Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. And I'm reading Find Your Why because I bought it out of order. So I- <laughs> The guy told me, find your why is a book I needed. It's actually start with why. So start with why is a book you should buy first, and I'm going to read second. And my why statement right now is so I can reach financial independence, to reach financial independence. This will make sense to you when you read the book. To reach financial independence so I can do whatever, and I don't know if I can curse on your show, WTF, I want. So coming to the second part of my answer to your question, it's to me, money is a tool. Um I now realize just from the perspective I have, the the privilege I have, having two parents in a home, having two parents in a home who made good money, have two parents in a home who put me through college. These are all boxes that a lot of people can't check off. That was my lived reality. That was my egocentric view of the world. Everyone has this reality. Now, four decades around the sun, I realize, okay, it's actually something my father used to say to me all the time that... um, you have a responsibility to mentor others. Actually, the exact quote was use your 20s to learn, 30s to apply, and 40s to teach and mentor. Wow. And he told me that at like in my teenage years, I was like, why are you putting all this pressure on my shoulders? So <laughs> I think a lot of people see this chase I have for money externally. He's on all these platforms to get rich. Um, that would be nice. But I'm actually on these platforms to spread a message that I really believe in and that resonates with me. And I see money as my tool to getting there. That's my toolbox for success. I love that. That's a great answer. Money is just a tool. You know, we have all these things we want to accomplish, people, places, things, and events that we like to be present for, see family members grow up. Really hard to do that if you're feeling all the pressure monetarily and you haven't gotten to the point where you feel financially free. All right. So, I mean, I'll, I'll throw in my two cents here. I think the very first thing you need to do is be super financially organized. It's hard to know how to grow if you don't know exactly what you have and how it works. And uh, second is to get educated on all things general finance, but then also know how it applies to your life, the goals and the dreams that you have. But also understand that planning is, is half of that is risk management. How do you avoid all the things that can knock you off your path and have you start back up at square one? You know, if you're playing like Call of Duty or something and you get killed in the game, you got to go spawn back where you started. Like, we don't want that for you, right? So right. making sure you've got that, that um, you're saving your game along the way. You're able to start back to where you were and, and avoid that liability. And then really just making sure you've got someone either like yourself or myself who can sit there and say, hey, you're doing a great job, giving them some more self-esteem. You know, we're on track. These are the things that you said you wanted to do. We checked quite a few things off the box. It's super important to have that advocate there for you, in my belief. Appreciate it. I agree. Absolutely. Well, I've got two more questions for you. Um, what is it that you'd like our listeners to know about you, Marcus, your business, and any upcoming events or promotions that you'd like to share? I'd say uh, for people listening on the podcast, they want to continue this conversation. Again, you can find everything you need at themarcusgarrett.com, but I would check out uh, Just Rebranded. It used to be Life After Debt with the Marcus Garrett, but now it's I'm 
I'm focusing on my why, it's how do I serve the listeners? And so it's learn more, earn more, save more. That's that's the why you come to the show. And then this is what I walk people through my tech. That's my elevator, learn life after debt, uh, less than four to six words. That's your marketing pitch. And then my tagline is motivational money stories from your favorite entrepreneurs and influencers. Because even going back to when I started up to present today, it's seeing resonating uh, with the representation of the audience. So I might not be for you, but I guarantee you, because I have over 100 episodes now, that there's someone that's been on my show that's for you. And I have removed my ego enough to lead you to the path that will make you the most successful and it doesn't have to be through me. I love it. You're sharing what you've learned already and helping others apply it to themselves. That's great, man. Uh, we know where we can find you. It's themarcusgarrett.com. All the books you shared, or at least most of them, I'm going to try to put in the liner notes of this episode too. And I'll also put a link to your book so people can find that out. Um, I think we already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. But what is your purpose, Marcus, and lasting legacy that you'd like to leave in your community? I think I've shared my purpose. Um, I'm discovering it for myself now, but you know, reaching that, I call it financial freedom, but I think at this point in life, it's just to have the freedom to do what I want to, I think is very important to me. And I think has lacked in a way that I would not like to see, um, even as simple as just having to ask for PTO or ask when I can go left or right. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to remove that barrier from my life. That's something I don't want in the next, if that was my five-year plan, I would want that barrier removed. Or I would want somebody that would support that barrier. And maybe that looks differently because I've had managers that have supported me in this show and I can't, I can't look past that. And I'm grateful to them. Um, the, the second part of the question. So is What's my purpose. Legacy that you want to leave. That's a great question. And I think the answer would be is to leave one. Um, I don't know what it looks like. I think I'm still shaping uh, my legacy. And maybe it's partially because I, I don't have children yet. So I, I have, the uh, again, the privilege to, to, to reflect on it a little bit longer. Um, but I think to leave one, if it's just to 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 leave the, I won't even say the world because that sounds, sounds too much for me. I won't say obnoxious because that might be somebody's, but that's too much for me. I would like to leave a difference in the people I impacted and met. That's a great answer. Um, all great answers, really. I mean, what I got out of your conversation today with me is that I think that you're trying to help people in ways they probably thought they could never get out of certain obstacles. You know, you're sharing what's worked for you. It is a personal story, but you're having them apply their own uh, individual characteristics to it. So, you know, for anybody who's interested, go to the marcusgarrett.com. You can visit me at huskyfinancial.com. I'll have some of his information on there as well. This episode probably going to air about April. So I'll get in touch with you about that. And, um, Man, just great having you on. Inspirational to hear all your stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing your success. Thank you. And April is hashtag financial literacy month. So I'll have a push. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, LLC. 
and opinions stated are their own. Guardian is subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Data and rates were indicative of market conditions as of the date shown. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends are based on current market conditions and are subject to change without notice. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are used for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. S&P 500 index is a market index generally considered representative of the stock market as a whole. Indices are unmanaged and one cannot invest directly in an index. Links to external sites are provided for your convenience in locating relative information and services. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Investing in the bond market is subject to certain risks, including market, interest rate, issuer, credit, and inflation risk. Michael Husky is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Pass. OSJ 6115 Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28210. 704-552-8507. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Pass. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PASS is a wholly owned subsidiary Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PASS or Guardian. 2023-151-827 expires 325.